0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Confirmation hearings for President Biden's Supreme Court nominee are scheduled to begin on Monday. Judge Katanji Brown Jackson was tapped to replace Steve, Justice Stephen Breyer, who announced his retirement earlier this year. Now, if Judge Jackson is confirmed, she will be the first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court. It's a historic moment, certain to get a lot of attention. And sitting squarely in the spotlight will be Illinois' Senior Senator Dick Durbin. As chair of the Senate's Judiciary Committee, he'll be running the confirmation hearings. So joining us now for a preview of next week's hearing is Illinois Senator Dick Durbin. Welcome. Good to be with you. You'll be holding the gavel next week, so talk about how significant a moment this is.
1: Well, the Senate Judiciary Committee is a storied committee it has been involved in so many historic moments uh, in our nation, particularly in modern times. Uh, and when you look at the assignments given to the committee, there are many, but probably the top assignment is advice and consent on vacancies on the Supreme Court. So it's, it happens rarely, and it's taken seriously, and it will start up this coming Monday.
0: Well, I don't need to tell you that the uh, Supreme Court confirmation process has kind of been bitter recently, you know, from Republicans blocking even a hearing for Obama nominee Merrick Garland to the dramatic proceedings surrounding Brett Kavanaugh. So are you confident that this will be a civil and dignified process this time around?
1: I'm hoping this would uh, be a case. Uh, Chuck Grassley, the Republican senator who is my ranking member on the committee, uh, has been a gentleman throughout. Uh, we have disagreed uh, without uh, harming our friendship. Uh, he has said he wants it to be a respectful hearing, and I couldn't agree with him more. There are people on the committee, though, who are bound to come up with last-minute charges uh, against Judge Jackson, despite the fact that she's been through the, this committee three different times with strong bipartisan roll calls every time. The last time was less than a year ago. Uh, And so her record has been scrutinized closely. 600 cases, 12,000 pages when she served on the sentencing commission, all of the documents that are ordinarily produced. Uh, Those who want to know the real story about Judge Jackson have ample opportunity.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell called President Biden's pledge to nominate a black woman inappropriate. And uh, Senator Ted Cruz said it was offensive, and uh, Mississippi Republican Senator Roger Wicker compared it to an uh, affirmative action. So do you think that race is going to be front and center next week?
1: Well, I, I would hope that uh, they've taken a little bit of a look at history. In the history of the United States of America, there have been 115 Supreme Court justices, 108 of them look like me, white men. And there have been very few exceptions, and there's never been an African-American woman. But Judge Jackson shouldn't be on the court for that. She should be on the court for her record. She served at every level of the judiciary. Before that, she was a law clerk at every level of the judiciary. As I said, 600 cases, serves on the second-highest court in the land. She is respected by uh, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals. And she has the endorsement of law enforcement as well as victims' rights organizations. She's the whole package. If you're going to be the first in something, you usually have to be the best. And I think she fits that description.
0: Well, to that end, you know, in a hearing like this, what are you and your colleagues looking for?
1: Well, there'd be things on different sides of the table. On the Democratic side of the table, I'm sure uh, most of my colleagues are inclined toward the judge's nomination. Uh, They'll ask questions about issues before us, uh, and there are quite a few uh, when it comes to the Supreme Court. On the Republican side, I I can't predict. I've been through this seven or eight times with Supreme Court nominees. Uh, Usually they try to challenge them to say more than they should say, uh, as sitting judges. Uh but try to make take the measure of both sides, take the measure of the nominee in terms of her traditional philosophy.
0: Yeah. Anything you want to learn about Ketanji Brown
1: Jackson? I know quite a bit about her, and she was before the committee, as I said, a year ago and passed with flying colors and bipartisan support. Uh, We're not assuming a thing, though. She has to prove her uh, worthiness to serve on the highest court in the land. Uh, We'll undoubtedly get into questions about the state's rights versus versus federal responsibilities, uh, and I'm sure my colleagues will be offering uh, specific questions on delicate subject matter.
0: The judiciary is a very partisan committee, and you've got people like Senators Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, Lindsey Graham, alongside progressives like Cory Booker and and Amy Klobuchar. So how do you intend to keep the hearing on task and, and from becoming some sort of political circus?
1: I'm heartened by the fact that Senator McConnell and Senator Grassley have said they want it to be a respectful hearing. I want it to be as well. Uh, my goal, my hope, is that there will be bipartisan support for her nomination. It would be good for the Senate, good for the court, uh, but she's got to earn it, not just with her resume, but by the, her responses to the questions.
0: You've uh, you've had particularly heated confrontations with uh, conservative Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, uh, who blocked several U.S. attorney nominees and and demanded an apology from you on the Senate floor. How are you going to minimize conflict with him and other conservatives?
1: Well, I'm going to treat him the way I treat everyone, give them their opportunity, uh, which is provided under the rules, to ask questions. Uh, And I I hope that they do it in a, as I say, respectful and dignified way. And if they do, uh, it's, it's their right to ask whatever they wish.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are getting a preview of next week's Supreme Court nomination hearings from Illinois Senator Dick Durbin. As the chair of the Judiciary Committee, he's going to be overseeing the hearings. Um, the Republican National Committee called Judge Jackson a, quote, radical left-wing activist. So the Senate you know, is evenly split. So how confident are you that she is going to get confirmed?
1: Uh, I feel that she will be confirmed. Uh, I'm not assuming it, but I think that at the end of the day she's going to be given this opportunity. And as for that Republican analysis, there will be charges thrown at her in the closing hours uh, in the hope uh, that they can derail her candidacy. Uh, I would just say that they ought to look at the facts. And that's exactly what we need on the court.
0: If uh, all 50 Democrats back the nominee, at least one Republican vote would be needed uh, to avoid the vice president having to break a tie, which would be a first in Supreme Court confirmation history. Do you expect Judge Jackson will get at least one Republican vote?
1: I don't know. I'm working on that. I have from the time that the White House called me to say that uh, Justice Breyer was stepping down. My first Chuck Grassley, uh-huh. uh, my Republican counterpart on the committee, and my friend. Uh, I don't expect uh, Chuck to vote for the nominee, but I would be pleasantly surprised if he does. Uh, it, my next call was to two or three different Republican senators who have supported Judge Jackson in the past, uh, and I basically hope that they would give her a fair hearing. They've, they've all met with her. They had a good impression. I'm not presuming they're going to vote for her, but as I said, my goal is to try to find bipartisan support for a nomination.
0: As you alluded to earlier, um, Sarah Bloom Raskin just withdrew her candidacy for the Federal Reserve on Tuesday after a partisan battle over her views on climate policy. So is there anything in Judge Jackson's record that concerns you?
1: No. Uh, I've looked at it carefully, and and it hasn't been my job alone Democratic and Republican staff, as well as members, have gone through her record three different times. Uh, And as I said, it's an open book, 600 opinions, which she has written, 12,000 pages of sentencing commission uh, hearings that she participated in. It's all there, and she has been approved by the committee those three times. Uh, I'm confident that she's going to be approved this time as well.
0: Have you talked with her, with Judge yes, Jackson, about how to prepare for these hearings?
1: Well, I don't have to tell her. She's been through it, and, and she's she's very bright and responsive to questions. We talked about things that are more personal in nature. I mean, she talked a lot about her two daughters. She's so proud of them. Uh, at one point, a few years ago, when there was a vacancy on the court, one of her daughters wrote a letter to President Obama and said, why don't you pick my mom? Uh, yeah. And so we laughed about that. That. She's very proud of her family, as you would expect. Uh, we also talked about her first trip to Chicago and uh, wedding. She went to uh, a reception in Promontory Point near Hyde Park and ran into a young couple, said hello to him, got a picture taken with him, and it turned out to be Barack and Michelle uh, long before they were in public, I even married, or in public office. So mm. there's some interesting connections with the city.
0: Uh, and she's uh, been making the rounds of Capitol Hill visiting Individual senators, too. Are you hearing anything else about how she's being received?
1: Good response. He, the Republican senators have said as much. She's uh, charming. Uh, she's open. Uh, she has a good sense of humor. Uh, that takes you a long way in this business.
0: Yeah, I bet. Uh, so, when do you hope that uh, you'll have the hearings wrapped up?
1: By the end of next week, uh, we start on Monday. There are four days uh, set aside for it. There are, Two or three of those days are pretty grueling, uh, but we can finish uh, that official hearing by the end of the week, wait another week for the committee to approve for nomination, bring it to the floor the first week in April.
0: Okay, so you, you would hope to have uh, Judge Jackson confirmed in early April, is that right?
1: Yes, that's the goal.
0: I want to switch gears with you for a moment, um And ask you about President Biden's economic agenda. You expressed some resistance earlier this week uh, at the idea of reviving any part of his uh, Build Back Better spending plan. Why?
1: I support his plan, but we have two Democratic senators, Manchin and Sinema, who have questions and objections. Unless and until they're both ready to vote for it, I going to focus my time on more productive undertakings. In other words, I'm setting out to see if we can pass legislation without reconciliation. If those two senators come around and want to back the president's plan, I'll be with them. But uh, I've got work to do. And just waiting uh, patiently for them has taken months off of the Senate's calendar. I want to get down to work.
0: Doesn't sound like you're very hopeful that it can be resurrected.
1: I want to be pleasantly surprised, but I just don't want to wait around uh, for the possibility. We have work to do.
0: You know, with a stalled economic agenda, how do you think that positions Democrats ahead of the midterms?
1: Well, I think we can still do many things, uh, and we're going to set out to do them. I hope we have bipartisan support, and that's what it'll take if we don't do reconciliation. But if we have two senators who are stopping us every time we sit down to negotiate this, why waste time with this? I mean, uh, I, I, I want to be able to do things that are important. Let me give you an example. We're talking about a crime bill, something that might make neighborhoods safer. There's an issue for Chicago. Uh, the gun violence in our city there is heartbreaking, and it, it's, it just never stops. We ought to be doing something about that. We can wait around for reconciliation and see if those two senators come around, or we can get down to business and see if it is a bipartisan approach that works. I want to try it.
0: Yeah. Well, before we let you go, I do want to discuss Ukraine. Uh, You're co-chair of the Senate Ukraine Caucus, and I know that you recently returned from Poland. So talk to us. What concerns are top of mind for you?
1: Yesterday, Zelensky made his presentation by uh, virtual uh, Zoom screen, a joint session of Congress. Uh, He is an inspiring man. I say half in jest that for the longest time he was known as a stand-up comedian. Now he's known as a president with the courage to stand up to Vladimir Putin. And he really made a presentation calling on the United States and NATO to stand behind their effort. He also added an element which uh, I, I think I hope most people had a chance to see. He had a video that showed in graphic graphic terms what's happening in Ukraine. There isn't a parent or a grandparent in America who can watch that video of the devastation and death taking place in the streets of Ukraine mm-hmm. and not be moved by it. I was. I looked at those little kids and I thought, those are my kids. Those are my grandkids. And to think that Putin has unleashed this unprovoked war and invasion on Ukraine is disgusting. He is a war criminal. By any definition, he fits that definition. And I will just say, that at this point, I want the United States fully engaged in helping the Ukrainians, supplying them with equipment, ammunition, and the like. We just voted last week for some $14 billion more in assistance. I proudly voted for that.
0: is there anything more that you think the U.S. ought to be doing?
1: Yes. When it comes to keeping the skies safe, it's something President Zelensky brings up regularly. I think the idea of a no-fly zone is not a good idea for a of reasons. I think it widens the war far beyond the boundaries of Ukraine. The notion of the Polish MiGs, we're talking about uh, 20 or 25 MiG aircraft that are somewhat aged, uh, and it's one-third of the Polish Air Force. Uh, it, is, it is a non-starter. But there are other things we can do, surface-to-air missiles and other air defenses that we can provide uh, to the Ukrainians to fight off those Russian airplanes.
0: Where do you think this conflict could go next?
1: I'm afraid to say it's going to continue until more people die. Uh, I I hope that the the Ukrainians can uh, stiffen their resolve. They've been remarkable to this point. Their courage is amazing. Uh, But Putin at this point is not reachable in terms of rational terms.
0: That's Illinois Senator Dick Durbin. Thank you so much for joining us. Good talking to you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.